So today we're going to be meeting all day till, well, 3.30, a <laughs> short day, as uh, most of us spend a lot more, more time than that at other things, but today we get to be together for most of the day. And for everyone online, I'll try to uh, give you some idea of when we'll be in the shrine room. Uh, as opposed to walking meditation and the meal period. We're just going to be recording the shrine room time. So that'll give you an idea. And of course, I hope you're able to have walking meditation periods and so on like the like the folks here in person. And if not, that's okay too. just uh, come and go as you as you're able to. So today we're going to be really basking in loving kindness. At least that's the plan. There's this teaching that the Buddha gave about how we should train ourselves to be immersed in loving kindness. Actually, the way it's written is uh, we will develop, we said this is how we should think, we will develop and cultivate the liberation of mind by loving kindness, making it our vehicle, make it our basis, stabilize it, exercise ourselves in it, and fully perfect it. He said, thus should you train. So I thought we'd take a look at this teaching of the Buddha and maybe develop our understanding of what it means and certainly practice practice it to the to the degree we can today so when he says the liberation of mind by loving kindness what it's talking about there is using the practice of metta of loving kindness as a way to free the mind. It's, it's not the full liberation of realization of Nibbana, but it's bringing such a state of spaciousness and well-being to the mind that the mind is liberated for that period of time. And it also has a, a very direct effect on our total liberation. Uh, in that it it helps us develop that ability to let go, to put things down. Recently, Aya Chittananda and I were having a kind of a check-in meeting with Ajahn Pasano, and I said to him, so what do you think is the most important thing to communicate about this, about this, you know, liberation of mind by loving kindness, making it our vehicle, our basis, etc. And he said, I'm going to read, I, I took his, his um, comments down. He said, probably the most important thing to communicate is that the entry into loving kindness as a vehicle or mode of expression is one of expansiveness and well-being. And that is an important doorway into awakening. Now, if you know him, you'll probably hear his voice here. Rather than sitting there gritting your teeth and forcing your mind into liberation, 
there is no there is so much self in that whereas the directing of attention to loving kindness there has to be a letting go there has to be a selfless quality and that's really important that's really critical to the whole process of freeing the heart so when you really consider the place that this practice has in our overall development and our awakening it's it's incredibly important valuable and also healing and one of the things that you realize after having practiced this for some time and seeing how people develop when they practice in this way is that it brings a healing quality to the body and to the mind. So you, you know, let yourself, we could say, or direct the mind to loving kindness, to metta. Let it really fill the whole body. And you might notice like small aches and pains disappearing, headaches. You know, that kind of letting go of the tension. So it's it makes sense given what we know about how much stress affects our health and weakens our immune system and you know all of that and then of course the mental side of it you know, putting down our concerns our worries and it's not just for the moment or the period of really putting our attention on loving kindness that this helps but it as we practice using loving kindness as a focus, then we'll also notice that in general, our attitude improves, our ability to feel less impinged upon by the pressures of, of the world. So those are the kind of basis for our, our motivation today uh, to really be able to, you know, take this seriously. It's like, uh, you know, sometimes we might think that the real meditation is the jhanas or um, vipassana, that, you know, that's what we've got to have in order to wake up. And that's true. We, we do need those um, aspects of the practice. But loving kindness meditation, which is also a basis for the other Brahma Viharas, this is also a very, very important ingredient in our well-being, in our, in our practice, in our happiness. And the Buddha, in the same little sutta where he uses this um, description of liberation of mind by loving kindness or this uh, this encouragement for our practice. He talks about how, you know, there's a, there's a lot of um, merit, if you will, in giving. And he says, if a person gives huge pots of food, you know, out in the morning and then in the midday and then in the evening, that's just a small fraction of merit compared to even a moment of immersing the mind in loving kindness. He said the, the time it takes to pull the um, 
the the uh, udder of a cow once <laughs> you know like you're milking a cow and one pull if you have that that much uh time immersed in loving kindness there's more merit there than giving away like food morning noon and night and of course that doesn't put down the the beauty of offering uh, material support to others but just that comparison to help us understand how important this is and that it actually has a value to the other living beings on in this world or maybe all worlds and so this idea that we develop loving kindness that spaciousness of mind that goodwill towards all beings it actually has a real effect and it washes back on us that same beautiful intention and goodness so i think what we'll do is practice because that's where it happens and i'm going to offer guidance here and so as always, tune into it as much as you find it useful to do that. Because there are sometimes we run into difficulties with being able to really let the mind go into goodwill in this way, loving kindness. And people sometimes ask, well, how do you get this started? It can be a feel like a a journey from the stressful mind, the you know analytical mind, to this kind of spaciousness and letting go and warmth um, that can that comes with with metta. And there are a couple of different ways that that I use and because i'm used to it and i've been using it for years i use the i, I have pretty good luck with the this sort of buddha's description of you know filling one quarter and the second quarter third quarter fourth quarter with loving kindness above below around and everywhere and to all as to myself that standard kind of description of the Buddha for how to from the Buddha for how to practice this. But that isn't what works for everyone. So I'm gonna drop some suggestions into this meditation that you can make use of if, if you find it attractive, uh, available to you. And then afterwards, we can have a conversation about what works for you, what doesn't work for you, uh, what the results have been for you either over time or in this period of time, this today. And maybe that will help. We can help one another find the road in, the doorway to this beautiful, boundless goodwill and kindness. So as always, 
regardless of our the type of practice we're going to do, we start by checking in on our posture. <clears throat> Relaxing. Noticing any tension you feel in your body. We can start at the top of the head and check around the eyes and the jaw and the neck. And just notice how, how you're feeling, how the body is feeling and positioned. And I want to adjust a little bit make the, the spine straight but not rigid comfortable notice how your hands and arms feel can they relax your chest your back how it feels sitting the way you're sitting let your belly relax let your legs and feet and of course this is just the beginning but we check in on the body maybe there are some areas that are uncomfortable maybe you can do something to help that a little bit or maybe not and then we just acknowledge what's there with kindness. We have to be aware of any aversion we might have. Let's see if we can bring our mindfulness to it and kindness to it. And if the mind starts to be critical, then to step back from that and bring some kindness to that aspect without trying, without trying to sort of get rid of it, but just accepting at this point in the beginning, accepting, being present, kind and compassionate towards our own body. And also towards our mind. So in the same way that we observe the body and we notice the state that it's in, we also observe the mind and notice the state that it's in. Maybe tired, maybe tight, maybe sad, maybe worried, or maybe relaxed, restful, peaceful, or whatever it is. I'll say it almost doesn't matter. We're observing the mind and the emotions of feelings. 
and just noticing how they are, how, how the, the state of the mind is right now. Making the intention to not take it as me and mine. So we notice the state of the mind. See it as an object, not as ourself. Know that it's okay to feel what we feel. If we try to push things away with some aversion, it's quite the opposite of what we are opening ourselves to right now. Like Ajahn Pasano said, not gritting our teeth, trying to push through, but relaxing, accepting what's there. As we bring kindness to the state that we're experiencing right now, we're already igniting that kindness in the heart. And this is the, the time when everything belongs. Now, of course, we also know quite a lot about what's wholesome and what's unwholesome. And we're standing, if you will, in the position of that which observes and sees and knows. Observing and seeing the state of the body and the state of the mind. Because the unwholesome will diminish as we bring in more of what's wholesome, what's happy, what's kind, compassionate, ethical, beautiful. So one approach at this point is using some kind of series of phrases. You can use some that you've heard before, or you can make up your own. Like, may I abide in well-being? May everyone abide in well-being. May I be free from anxiety and fear. May all beings be free of anxiety and fear.
May I be free from any kind of anger or ill will. May all beings be free from any kind of anger or ill will. May I be safe. May all beings be safe. May I be peaceful. May all beings be peaceful. You can bring to mind whatever arises spontaneously from your heart. Use the phrases that really have meaning for you, that really touch you. And bring more kindness, spaciousness, goodwill to fill the mind, fill the heart. Or another approach, as I mentioned before, is to use that description we find in the suttas. I will abide pervading one quarter with a mind imbued with loving kindness. And you really feel one quarter of your being, however you might imagine that to be with that sense of loving kindness and goodwill. For me, it shows up like a soft, tingling energy. And there's a, a warmth there, a compassion, kindness. When I can, it's palpable, I can feel it filling the whole area in front of me, the front of my body, around my face, my head, 
my feet everywhere, right from the core, outwards before me. And then when it says likewise, the second, I intend the same thing on the right side of my body. And then that whole area fills with this beautiful, warm, loving energy from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. And likewise, the third is the back side of my body from the core of my, my physical system out behind me, filling that whole area. And likewise, the fourth is the left side, completing this kind of tube that takes in my whole body and the space around it. And there's just this kind of soft hum. Now, not everyone has the same experience. Just notice what that intention evokes in you. And then above, kind of filling in all above me and below, filling in that same warmth and goodwill, that feeling of love below me, around and everywhere. When that phrase comes, then I feel this kind of expansion of that warmth, that loving kindness. Soft, beautiful energy all around, everywhere. And then to all is to myself, really expanding out to everyone, everyone in the room, everyone in the house, everyone in the town, everyone in the world. human, animal, devas, all living beings. It says, I will abide pervading the all-encompassing world with a mind imbued with loving kindness abundant, exalted, and immeasurable, without hostility, without ill will. And by that time, I can't even imagine hostility or ill will when I don't wish to. There's not a speck of it left. So this is another way we can train.
You know, when you do this, you might hear a sound in your ears, a soft background sound that's steady and comforting. Or you might see light. All of this is just vibration and it can be sort of the same, the same kind of vibration as you might feel through your body or just the heart being full and open. We all sense things a bit differently and if none of that is happening, it's not a problem. It's just noticing for you what happens when you turn your mind, your attention and your intention to developing the state, this vehicle of loving kindness, this basis of loving kindness. And as this develops, it's a, it's a doorway, a gateway to immersion. So we immerse ourselves in loving kindness. We could come to the same point as if we're you know, practicing jhana. Eventually, you may come to the point where you couldn't move if you wanted to. You can't bring words into the mind, even if you were to try. And you just let the process unfold in its own way. For your own benefit and for the benefit of all beings.
If your mind starts to drift away or that sense of loving kindness starts to fade a little bit, you can bring in another element and more reminder. Or sometimes if you're used to using your breath as an object, you can still use it to sharpen your mindfulness and your intention to develop loving kindness to really cultivate it. Expand it. You might even think of it as thickening it. In a way that's beautiful, that's comforting, that's peaceful and healing. Recalling that the most important thing, at least as Ajahn Pasano thinks, is that spaciousness and well-being towards ourselves and towards others. The dissolving of the sense of self. We're not trying to get anywhere, to gain anything. Just being kind, filled with this beautiful quality that actually is natural to the human heart. It arises in the most unexpected places sometimes. natural to you. Not to get confused that this mind is mine or me. Only knowing that these qualities 
of mind are here and available. This loving kindness. And it's our making use of it. Evoking it. Developing it, cultivating it. It brings us more and more into the experience of it. Always there, always readily available like the Dhamma. It's up, up to us to turn towards it.
feels like you didn't want to stop, that's okay. We're going to come back to it. Um, that's one of the ways we keep developing it more. You know, we leave it and we come back, and we leave it and we come back, and then we get more and more practice at moving into that state. Welcome, Andre and Christopher. Thank you. I'm glad you could come. Don't ever worry about coming and going during these sessions. We've always held the policy that people can come in anytime, leave anytime. We've all got different schedules going on. And we all need to learn how to just be with what is. <laughs> so, um, so at this moment, does anyone have anything they'd like to say or ask? Yes, David. Yeah, um, so it feels like the love is a, a natural state that doesn't need any doing, but there is some sort of intention to spread it, which is interesting. So I'm wondering if you could uh, teach us about that. Yeah, David, even, can you all hear David? Yeah. Um, even though it's natural, we're often far away from it, you know, so we don't, necessarily feel loving kindness all the time, which is kind of where we're going. <laughs> we're not there yet. And, um, and it's also pretty natural to it once we understand what it is, um, this boundless state, then it's pretty natural for it to spread. So one of the things that we can get caught up in is like, okay, I need to like radiate this out to the world. Uh, we start doing something to make that happen. You know, it's kind of more like a, a, a drive or a goal or something like that. And that doesn't, that's, it's counterproductive to meditation in general to try to you know, use all of our conditioning that wants us to push towards the goal. We've got this objective and we're going for it. And that's not how it works in, um, in meditation. And even it's a funny thing with regard to, say, you know, wanting to be uh, an arahant or liberated or stream enterer or whatever. And it's like that, that, uh, idea needs to be there in a sense it's like or it's helpful to know where we're headed and kind of what that would be like those qualities that experience but we can't just drive towards it like we would try to do a project at work you know it's not the same uh it's 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 about letting go of things dropping things um easing uh, seeing with wisdom what what we wanna what what we what we definitely want to discourage in the mind and what we want to encourage the wholesome and the unwholesome but even that can't really be done the way we would you know manage a project for example 
So that spreading of loving kindness happens as we really invite that increase in ourselves. And it just, in the mind, you know, like when you practice this, then the thought of spreading it to the world, just like you just feel it go out, you know. It's very different from, I'm a radio tower. <laughs> so it's like good to catch that difference. Yeah, thank you, David. Yes, Grace? I think it's really funny that you're bringing up this comparison between just being being and driving a project at work. Because I feel like once I started to understand the being concept more, and then I experimented with working with that mentality of being, and it's actually created a lot more success for me at work. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yes, thank you. Sadhu, 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 yes. You're hearing this from Silicon Valley. <laughs> it's better to be than to do. <laughs> Beautiful. Neil? Yes. Um, so, um, I in the past, I hadn't really connected before with the radiating to the to one quarter and then mm -hmm. the second and the third and the fourth but something you said in the meditation now um really clicked for me you you talked about it radiating from your core somehow the word core got in there mm -hmm. and that that really helped me instead of thinking of it as you know i'm putting something out into some abstract space um there's a starting point mm -hmm. um yeah so i just wanted to comment that that was very uh helpful for me in 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 working with this particular um meditation uh object so thank you yeah thank you neil for that experience um you know we often those of us who have been around the, especially the Ajahn Chah lineage monasteries, we've been chanting this thing um, ever since we showed up, <laughs> probably those words and reading them in the suttas. And it, and to really use them, we have to like unpack them and really, really be with each peace and really see how it feels and how we experience it and what it is that helps it to blossom and what doesn't and all of that and it's it's like those phrases that we go through so quickly when we're chanting or just you can read through it oh yeah i've seen this passage a hundred times and i just <laughs> you know but to really work with it is so different and each of us as we do that, we'll find, you know, what this really means, you know, and this is a good lesson for how we read suttas in general, because if we just take in the words and the intellectual understanding, that's one thing. But when we really work with something and practice with it, then we, we come into that direct experience of it. So if you're 
if you're feeling that loving kindness in yourself, however that manifests, that is a direct experience of what metta is. And that's the kind of direct experience we need with the whole of the Dhamma. So every part of it. So what we see in the suttas needs to be unpacked, opened up, and felt and experienced directly. And that's how insight will arise that's liberating and ever changing our changing our life, our our experience forever. And that's why we need teachers. conduit yeah 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 the the teachers that we've been around who have gone way 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 farther than we have uh and can can give us those those clues and that encouragement that's that's incredibly valuable that's why um friend holy friends uh, Kalyanamita are the whole of the holy life, because if you're if you're around that, um, you see how not only that it exists, it's possible for you. That's incredibly powerful, and they can drop in ideas about how you move through whatever it is you're you're uh, having to deal with in practice. Yeah, thank you, Nini. Memo and Esperanza. Thank you. I um, I wanted to share something that happened during the meditation. Um, at some point, I was feeling just peaceful, and uh, I thought to myself, "Well, why why can't I just share it, make it available to anyone who wants to pick it up?" And to me, that was like this shift from spreading to just sharing and making it available. I think it was helpful for me to to make that shift from doing into just being. Beautiful. Yeah, thank you, Memo. Yeah. Nice. I want to just welcome Marianne and Lynn. I don't know if anyone else came online while we were um, busy, <laughs> but I'm glad you came. Do we have a second page? I don't think so. No. Good. I mean, fine. <laughs> Serena. Aya, could you say a little more about? unpacking things i'm not sure i know what that's yeah i mean i've had some experience but i hear that and i i just don't really know it's pretty straightforward it's like you know using this example I will abide pervading one quarter with a mind imbued with loving kindness. And then to really like, what does that mean to me? How does that feel? I don't mean that we have our own um, kind of definition of it, 
we're tapping into something more universal, but we do need to experience it directly. And so in, instead of just kind of like leaving it at that, we hold that in our, in our mind, in our consciousness, you know, no matter what someone else tells us about this, we still need to basically start with that, if you will, the beginner's mind. We have to start from here I am with a concept that the Buddha is sharing with me. What does it really mean? How does it work? How do I experience it? How does it feel? How does it feel to have this one quarter? What does it mean to have one quarter? In the beginning, I thought maybe I'll try dividing my my physical kind of space in quarters, like this quarter and that quarter, you know, like from the top down. Well, that didn't feel very good. <laughs> okay, so like, what if I do it as a directional, you know, like, okay, let's try north, south, east, west, <laughs> or, you know, like what's in front? what's behind left and right and and i have to say that uh, qigong helped me qigong practice helped me a lot in unpacking this particular practice so the things that i learned in qigong about moving energy feeling energy um, being able to relate to things in the core in the in the central core of energy in the body um and and what can spread out from that what i can be sensitive to what i can know and so we all have different conditioning and different experience and different expertise and we need to use what we have to understand and try to sort of peer into what the buddha is talking about and that's what i mean by unpacking it's like to really open it up to our, you know, like open up our mind, our heart to what's there and see if we can experience it. So it's not about trying to make it into anything. Again, that would probably um, block us from really experiencing. It has to be more intuitive, open, and inviting. So we invite those words, the meaning of those words, from the Buddha, it's like how, how is this, how does this work? How does this happen? What, what, will, what do I feel? What can I know from this? Real knowing doesn't come from analysis. It comes from contemplation, from um, reflection, which means it's just holding it there and letting the wisdom arise from a deeper, source if you will yeah it's not some being that's got all of it and they just you know give it out a little here or there <laughs> it's the reality of dhamma that permeates everything and it's it's like we're we're seeking and developing our own ways of tuning into that knowing it directly so you can do that with this one piece. Okay, what does this mean? A mind imbued with loving kindness and how that fills one quarter of my being, how does that work? 
Thank you, Serena. Yes, Chris. Yeah, so I know someone is currently at that stage you described of not being able to move the mind as well if you want to, but still being able to hear things around and have some perception. So would you describe that like what is described as access concentration or is it before or after or like uh, what kind of progress is that? Can you hear Chris okay? No. You could repeat it. Okay, so Chris. Do you prefer Chris or Christopher? Uh, Chris is okay. Chris is okay. Okay, so Chris is asking about the state of the mind when you're meditating and you get to that point where you can't move. <laughs> and there's still some awareness of sound. And he's wondering if that's access concentration or kind of where in the, in the sort of descriptions of uh jhana and entering samadhi that 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 lies um and there are a lot of different approaches of course to meditation and different definitions that people use for jhana or descriptions of that process and that idea of access concentration isn't part of the early texts it's uh, commentarial later on. And so some people find those um, concepts helpful to kind of get a sense of where you are along the way, which is what Chris is asking about where where is one along the way when you're experiencing that kind of thing. And my training and experience coming out of the Thai forest tradition, and particularly the Ajahn Chah lineage is don't worry about it. Just, you know, know what you're experiencing, see it, but let it go. And the, the concern there, the reason for that, I feel, and I am pretty confident that's what's intended, is that when we start to try to get too precise about where we are, what we're experiencing, what we've kind of attained, then we wound up, we wind up kind of uh, restricting ourselves in a way that we kind of get stuck. So instead of like, is this access concentration or not? I kind of revert back to the early texts see if I can identify this. It's like, um, that's okay, we're getting a delivery. We get, and get really, re, instead of thinking about that, letting ourselves let go more and more into the process and letting it unfold naturally. And, you know, it's true that when we get to that stage where the the body um it you really can't move or you know it would be very hard to break out of the concentration 
or maybe the body parts are disappearing. Um, there might still be sound, Ajahn Chah said, there might still be thoughts, but if they're not um, disrupting the samadhi, it doesn't matter. And, it, and, you know, to just, instead of thinking, where am I, which usually just stops the progress, and of course you're not saying you're doing that in the meditation, but, you know, it stops the progress, if you do, then just really just with a curiosity and an openness to let it go forward, just stick with it and let it go forward, not trying to do anything or think about where things are or what you want next. So a lot of times people talk to me about, you know, like they have this idea of what they want to have happen. And then that's a real barrier to um, the completely unknown, unexperienced as yet trauma rising. So I think, I don't know if this is making sense, but from my experience and training, instead of thinking much about the commentarial descriptions or some of the methods that people use that are more detailed is to just kind of like really let go into the process and let it just carry you unfold. When you'll really know um, when things happen in your meditation that really change the way you see, and it's a surprise. <laughs> like you like I never imagined it could be like this. Then even then, it if you can avoid it, don't get excited about it. <laughs> but as afterwards, when you're looking at that also, I think Ajahn Chah was so wise, it's like always non not sure, not sure. You know, like someone said to us recently that they are sure they're a stream enterer and maybe a, a, a once returner, but the problems they were describing that they're having are not indicative at all of those levels of realization. And so if, if we start to think, oh, I'm this, I've got this, I've got this, and now I'm going to get that, <laughs> that really can uh, stall our progress. And it's got a lot of self in it. Like, instead of thinking, I'm someone who has this kind of meditation or this level of concentration, just let that go. There's no, when we really have insight into Dhamma, there's no like, I have this, <laughs> or I am that. It's, first of all, so incredibly beautiful and so unrelated to any kind of concept of self that that's really and then like Ajahn Chah said when he had such an experience he still was checking in on it for three years like is my heart my mind my experiences are they in alignment with that kind of attainment and even after three years you know, of, you know, there's, there's a confidence that grows in the Dhamma, the Buddha Dhamma Sangha, when you see that that's solid, there's experiential experience of that, there's still like, it's so beyond a self that there's no like, going there. So the recommendation as far as I can uh, experience and hear from my teachers is, 
Don't think too much about those definitions. Instead, let go of the analysis and experience what you experience and then notice how it changes your life. The way you respond to situations, the way you respond to people, the way you know about about morality and ethics without any question or without any doubts. You know, and, and so those things give you the indication. And when you're having these experiences in meditation, you know you're on the right track. So just keep going. I hope that answer isn't too unsatisfactory. Because, <laughs> you know, we, we would, I mean, I'm not saying this is what you're thinking, but we would love to have that plan laid out. I'm hitting the numbers. I'm getting the... Someone came to an interview at a retreat I was teaching, and she said that she always gets nervous when she goes on retreat because she's got to hit the mark of the system she's used to using. And that is so opposite of what we need in meditation. So that's kind of where the approach is um, in this tradition. Anything else right now? Yes, Ling. Thank you so much, Aya, for that beautiful guided meditation. I just wonder, I have a little surprise. Um, when you said like, um, and feel the you know, loving kindness energy and uh, from, from the below and above, and that's something I've never thought about it. And, and then, but it was really nice because at the moment, I think I started my one, my mind started wandering off. I started to have some you know, sort of about job, a kind of irritation because of, you said it was, I suddenly feel like, well, you know, normally I saw this loving kindness feeling energy normally is generated within. Now we imagine there's a warmth for it, but suddenly I could feel um, the warmth from above and below. Mm. Um, that kind of was quite a surprise. The thing that even like because of that, I suddenly feel like my mother is is holding me, mm. <laughs> or like I've become my mother, and and that kind of um, irritation sort of diminished. Um, so that was a little surprise for me and it was nice surprise. So my question sort of, is this because we did, we're doing a group, uh, you know, guided meditation? Is it loving kindness, uh, is coming from outside already or we can still tap into it? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome, Ling. Well, it's always an interesting question around you know what's really coming from let's say outside and what's really coming from inside i mean like staying in a monastery where there's um, a master teacher i had this question once when i was um, at ajahn mahabu's monastery 
I'm talking to Ajahn Panyawato and, and about some meditation experiences. And he said that what I was describing, he felt like was coming from the outside, like from Ajahn Mahabua, probably. But you start to like realize that it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, it's like the, the Dhamma infusing us. You know, and certainly when we all come together, we have this amazing, human beings have this amazing quality or ability to create a kind of field and is palpable. I mean, if you've ever walked into a, a cathedral or a temple or some, one time I was just visiting Spirit Rock. I don't know who was teaching there before or what the um, situation was, but it was so, um, it, it was so like palpable in the room. It was so palpable in the room, this feeling of energy. And so you, you know that it was, you know, like everybody there, um, you know, practicing. And so we do like help each other in a way. This kind of idea, it almost doesn't matter, you know, like it starts to give us a sense that we're not separate. We're not separate individuals, you know, you know some people definitely what i was going to say is some people definitely feel like coming together as a group is so helpful for meditation and other times in in my own practice it's been more helpful to be by myself or it's very helpful to be in the forest the, the sort of a sense of the nature and those enormous trees we have and all of that you know it's like so i think i think that we can drop the kind of qualification of where and recognize that the mind is so much more powerful and expansive than we realize and that there is the Dhamma everywhere that we tap into or that that knowing that we tap into or maybe more not so much we tap into it, but we clear away what's in the way of our experiencing. Thank you, Aya. Yeah, you're welcome. Welcome. Is this your first time here? Yes, yeah, it's my first time here. What's your name? Chifu. Chifu? Nice to meet you. Thank you for coming. Okay, so it's 1030 and I think um, everybody, not everyone here is intending to be for the day long. So if you're um, not going to be with us the rest of the day or the rest of the night or whatever it is for you, then feel free to go and, and also feel free to come back in later. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.